Alright, we're continuing on through our journey of the book of Joshua, the journey into the promised land, and, you know, y'all wants us to study the book of Joshua from the individual perspective of Joshua being the son of noon, that is, the son re-sprouted, the born-again son, you know, a man in whom the Ruach HaKodesh resides. Collectively, we're speaking of those who have went through their wilderness experience and have endured its tests and trials by holding on to Elohim. They have borne the horn of their parents and forefathers, yet they have their old man, that is their flesh man, and his lust broken down, humbled, and deadened. As a result, they're no longer fleshly or worldly, but are now reborn spiritually via the word of um, the water of the word and of the Ruach HaKodesh. Within the book of Joshua, we can expect to learn the plan of Elohim concerning the body of Yahushua, i.e. his ecclesia, and those born-again believers that make up spiritual Israel. We'll learn how they're to enter into the kingdom of Elohim, what to expect once in, as well as how to proceed once in. Another perspective we'll be exploring is that of the land and the inhabitants of the land, how the land of Canaan speaks to the kingdom of Elohim within each and every one of you, and how its inhabitants relate to the remnants of the fallen angels, the demons or devils, and other unclean spirits which currently inhabit the land inherited by the born-again believers. You know, so we are in the book of Joshua, you know, and we're still in chapter 8, but we're going to call this eight, chapter 8, part B. Amen? All right, so we left off at verse 29, so we're going to pick it up this week, Joshua 8, 30, you know. Let me have uh, my first reader read Joshua 8, 30, and then Exodus 20, 22 through 26, please. Joshua 8, 30, then Joshua built an altar unto Yahuwah Elohim of Israel in Mount Ebal. Exodus 20, 22 through 26, and Yahuwah said unto Moshe, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep, and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I wanted to remind everyone of Yah's um, original instructions on building an altar to him, you know, that he had given unto Moshe before we crossed over the yard into the land of Canaan. Amen. So he says, you know, that, you know, he told Moshe to build him an altar of earth, you know, and make it, uh, make it unto him. And that's where you're to sacrifice like burnt offerings and peace offerings and sheep and, and the oxen. You know, now the altar of earth spoken of here is pre-tabernacle. Um, as, as were those built by the, the patriarchs of the faith. They, they were... Um, essentially altars of earth as far as we know now 
But what exactly is the purpose of Yah's altar? What is the spiritual significance? Was it just a place to burn animals upon? Um, or was it meant to teach us something deeper? Taking note that just about every notable man of Elohim within scripture built an altar. And that Israel, Yah's nation, was commanded to even carry one everywhere they went makes this subject pertinent, even essential, that we understand it. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, Exodus 20, 24-26 said, An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen, and all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. See, because, you know, a lot of people don't understand that Yah's altar, you know, is the place where his offerings are accepted. Now, you can give offerings to whomever and wherever you like, but that doesn't make them Yah's offerings. <laughs> You have to understand, just because you're saying I'm giving this offering in the name of Yah doesn't make it Yah's offering. If it's truly Yah's offering, then it has to be at Yah's altar. And Yah's altar is always going to be found where he has put his name. Amen? You know, so I just wanted to point that out. Um, verse 26 goes on, or 25 goes on to say, and if thou wilt make an altar of stone, thou shalt build it of hewn. Thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. So if you're going to make an altar of stone, you know, Moshe made an altar of earth. But he's saying, if you're going to make an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Now, the word altar itself is misbiak, number 4196. You know, and it of course speaks to an altar, but specifically it speaks to the place of sacrifice. So, Yah's altar is the place of his sacrifices. It comes from Zabak number 2076, meaning to slaughter an animal using for sacrifice. Now, this word earth is Adamah, number 127, you know, meaning soil. Now, this is, this is an important word throughout Scripture. You know, you always want to keep your eye open for Adamah, you know. Unfortunately, you won't really be able to, to see it in the KJV, you know, um, in, in most translations, you won't be able to discern where it's at because they don't, they don't mark it. But it is an important word all the same, Selah. Now, take note that Moshe is commanded to make Yah an altar of earth, but let's pay particular attention to the word being translated earth, which is Adamah, for it's not the usual word translated earth which is Haretz, number 776, that's translated earth over 700 times, but rather the text refers to the same earth that 
the man, i.e. Ha'adam, a particular man, was formed from. When he was created in the likeness and image of Elohim and set apart in Yah's Garden of Eden. It's from that type of soil. So you see, it's a whole different, it's a whole different type of soil. Hence it has a different name. <coughs> and that's an, you know, that's an important tidbit to consider. You know, so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, and I could really go into that. But I'm not. Um, spiritually speaking, Yah is commanding that his altar be made of, um, of set-apart men. You know, because that's what this this uh, Adamah references back to. It, ref ref it, it goes back to the first Adamah, um, or the first Adam, if you would. Adam, his name comes from the root Adamah. You know, and so, you know, this is a reference, you know, painting a spiritual picture for us. And it's speaking of Yah commanding that his altar be made of set-apart men. You know, even like as Ha'adam, Adam that he formed and put into the garden, uh, was set apart. He was set apart because he was put into Yah's special place that he prepared for, i.e. the garden. Right? Okay, so now... Spiritually speaking, Yah is commanding that his arms should be made of set-apart men that are of his likeness and image. You know, and so, now, I want you to consider an altar. It's more than just a barbecue. You know, Yah's altar is the place in which Yah's people were to bring their sacrifices. You know, so it was also the place in which Yah's people came to receive charity. You know, so I want you to understand because, in, because the altar is a special place. You know, so Yah's altar is the place wherein one would, one that was blessed of Yah, he would come to Yah's altar and give offerings to show Yah his gratitude. And those poor of Israel, they will come to Yah's altar to receive of Yah's mercy. You know, and the priests who ran the altar were the intermediary because they were the ones that was attached to Yah and to man. They were in the midst of, of the whole thing. You know, so essentially when you hear of an altar being made in scripture what's being set up is Yah's system of grace and mercy you know so that's important to know now here it is we already see this picture of this set apart man you know, that are to be of his likeness and image. Now, which men were meant to be examples of his likeness and image? The priest, absolutely. You know, 
Yah first instructs Israel to make him an altar of Adonai, thereby signifying he wants his altar, or that is his place of sacrifice, to be made of priests, i.e. set apart men that are formed in his likeness and image, that is, that is clean and holy. You know, it can also speak to his prophets as well, but... But yes, and then Joshua 8.30 says, Then Joshua built an altar unto Yahuwah Elohim of Israel in Mount Ebal. Now, Ebal means stone or bald or bare. And so, you know, we have this mountain, this stone mountain, or this bald or bare mountain more specifically. You know, and so... Here it is. Mountains can be significant of kingdom. So here it is. This kingdom that is bald or bare. You know, um, it's the picture that scripture is painting here. Joshua 8.31 goes on to say, And Moshe, the servant of Yahuwah, commanded the children of Israel. Oh, I'm sorry. As Moshe, the servant of Yahuwah, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the Torah, a book of Torah of Moshe, an altar of whole stones over which no man have lift up any iron. And they offered thereon burnt offerings unto Yahuwah and sacrificed peace offerings. So hereby we learn that Joshua did not build another altar of earth. He built an altar of stone. And he did it in accordance as Moshe taught in Torah. Amen. So we're going to go to where Moshe taught this. It's found in Deuteronomy 27. Let me have my next reader read Deuteronomy 27, 2 through 8, please. And it shall be on the day when ye shall pass over Jordan unto the land which Yahuwah thy Elohim giveth thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones and, and plaster them with plaster. And thou shalt write upon them all the words of his law, when thou art passed over, that thou mayest go in unto the land which Yahuwah has it, which Yahuwah thy Elohim giveth thee, a land that floweth with milk and honey, as Yahuwah Elohim of thy fathers has promised thee. Therefore it shall be when he be gone over Jordan that ye shall set up three stones which I command you this day in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster. And there shalt thou build an altar unto Yahuwah thy Elohim, an altar of stones. Thou shalt not lift up any iron to upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of Yahuwah thy Elohim of whole stones, and thou shalt offer burnt offerings thereon upon Yahuwah thy Elohim, unto Yahuwah thy Elohim. And thou shalt offer peace offerings, and shalt eat there, and rejoice before Yahuwah thy Elohim. And thou shalt write upon the stones all the words of this law, very plainly. Hallelujah. Okay, so... Here it is, the instructions that Moshe had written down even before they came into the land. 
So this is way before they even came into the land. This is before they, they, they crossed the yard. You know, um, and so uh, Moshe is instructing them, you know, via, via what y'all told him. And so he's talking about building an altar of stone. And so this is actually what they're doing over in Joshua 8. You know, they are actually living this out. Now, unlike Moshe, Joshua is commanded to make an altar of stone. That wasn't um, that wasn't built of of hewn stone. Hewn stone speaks to um, cut stone. So, like this altar here. This is an altar of hewn stone. Take note that you know all of all of the bricks are uniform. You know they're all uniform. You know and pretty good looking um, altar here. You know and you know but. It's all uniform stones, and you know, and some of them are broken, you know, on the uh, on the ends to make the corners, you know, so on and so forth. You know, now this is a perfect example of what Yah said not to do. Amen. He didn't want no hewn stone altar made unto him. You know, now Exodus 20, 25 also taught that if one were to use a tool in making it, it would pollute it. But how so? <clears throat> to answer this, let us consider that like unto earth, men are also depicted as stones in scripture. So just as the, the Adamah, the soil that the altar was made of during the time of Moshe was a reference to a type of man. So is the stone altar in reference to a type of man. Consider Genesis 49, 24. says, but his bow of bold and strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty Elohim of Yaakov. From this is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, speaking of Yosef. You know, and so you see he's a type of stone, right? Yochanan 142, and he brought him to Yahshua. And when Yahshua beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Yonah. Thou shalt be called Kephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Also consider 1 Kephas 2, 5, and 6. It says, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Elohim by Yahushua HaMashiach. Wherefore also it is contained in the, in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And of course, that's speaking of our Messiah, Yahshua, you know, also like a stone. And those like unto ourselves, who are made up as lively stones or living stones. You know, and so these are the type of stones in which the altar was made from. You know, also consider Psalms 118.22, the stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. You know, and so Yah didn't refuse any of his stones. As long as you was whole, you could be used. You know, but he said if you were 
if, if you weren't whole, you couldn't be used. That means that you've been broken. He didn't want nothing that was broken. He said if you put a tool on it, it couldn't be used. Why? Because who had the tool was used by men to shape it. And y'all didn't want anything shaping by men. See, y'all made his stones perfect. And he only wanted the stones that he made to be utilized for his altar. He didn't want stones that men made to be utilized for his altar. So in other words, he only wanted men that was shaped and formed by him to be used for his altar. He didn't want men that was shaped and formed by other men to be used in his altar. Selah. Okay, now if we're to consider these stones that make up the altar to be men, what would that tell us about their character? The chief characteristic of stones is that they're very resistant to pressure. They're hard. They resist pressure, for they've, they're formed via pressure. Stones are actually made through pressure. Hence, they're not easily broken. They're not easily bent. They're not easily pierced. These are the type of men Yah wants to make his altar of. Those that are unyielding. Those are, that are resistant to pressure. You know, verse 32 of Joshua 8 goes on to say, And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the Torah of Moshe, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. That's Yasum right there. That's Yasum right there. I don't know if y'all know how Yasum that is, but that's pretty Yasum right there. You know, now. Man being as a stone could be good or bad depending upon the circumstances. For one can be strong, hardened, and unyielding of their wrongdoing. You know, they can be as wrong as two left shoes and just refuse to give in to Yah's will, way, and purposes. You know, even when the truth comes to them, they just refuse to accept it. You know, they're like stones, but they're just not like his stones. You know, this is why Yah commanded Joshua to inscribe his Torah, that is his law, plainly within the stones, even that it might be clear that the stones or the men of Yah, which make up his altar, ought to have his word inscribed upon their being. His word should be inscribed within their hearts. His word shall be inscribed within their speech. Yeah. Hence, they shall mainly speak his word and not their own. So whenever someone come up to this altar, what do they get? They get his word. And who is his word? Hallelujah. For like unto this altar of stone Joshua set up, when Yah's people approach his altar, his place of sacrifice, they should see the word of Yahuwah. They should see Yahshua. For whenever Israel saw Joshua's altar of stone, it always said the same thing. That is, it said the word of Elohim. 
And that's exactly the way our altar is to be. So those who make up our altar here at BYA, even our ecclesia, like when you go to them, what you should see and what you should receive is the word. The word of Yah. Amen? Now let us compare the two types of stone altars. The hewn as well as the unhewn. You know, so here it is. We have the hewn altar and we have an unhewn altar. An unhewn altar has stones of all different colors. It has stones of all different shapes. You know, all different shapes and all different sizes. You know, because this is the way Yah stones are made. They're not all the same. You know, versus the altars of hewn stone, they're all the same. They're all cookie cutter versions of one another. They're all cookie cutter version, versions of one another. They all look the same, sound the same, act the same, so on and so forth, right? You know, no diversity. But Yah is a fan of diversity. You know, and so we see in his altar, we see a multitude of diversity. You know, so you should be able to recognize the two different types of altars. Let me have my next reader read Joshua 8, 33 through 35, please. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on the side, the ark, and on that side before the priest. The Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of Yahuwah, as well the stranger, as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim, and half of them over against Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of Yahuwah, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursing, cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with the woman and the little ones and the strangers that were... Conver conversant among them. Hallelujah. Okay, now there are some interesting points to consider here. First, Gerizim, where the um, blessings were pronounced, it was fertile. It had many fruit trees. So this mountain was green. It was fertile. It had fruit trees and everything. You know, beautiful um, looking mountain. Whereas Ebal, where the curses were pronounced, were, was bald. It was bare, even as the name entails. Nothing grew on it but thorns and thistles. And we know thorns and thistles are, scripturally speaking, speak to what? The curses. Yeah, it speaks to those whom are whom are cursed, and uh, and also the way of the world, if you would. You know, so Gerizim means the cutters. 
you know, there's a lot of speculation over what, um, you know, what is meant by the cutters. It's pretty clear to me. Y'all showed it to me, you know, but, you know, folks think it's because they were cutting down the crops and because it was a, a fruitful mountain, you know, that it was called the cutters. Um, you know, um, and there are some other theories out there, but, you know, I'm going to give you what y'all gave me. Shechem. Shechem speaks to um, the shoulders. And the shoulders are your burden bearers. That's where the burden was, was put upon. It was put upon one's shoulders for them to carry it. I mean, you know, and so here it is. You have some people that were against Gerizim. You had another group of people that was against evil. And then in the middle, you had some people in Shechem. You forming a picture? Well, I'm gonna help you out some. You know, this is this is an overview of, of, of that particular place. You know, and so here it is. It this place still exists today and it still forms a natural amphitheater. You know, at Shechem. And so like when this actually happened, you had these people not now this is a mile, they're saying it's a mile um from one mountain to the other. And so the people would have been like here and they would have been in this pocket here. And then in Shechem, you know, uh you would have had the um, priest. The priests and the Levites, they would have been here. Okay? And so they were the ones speaking. You know, but this this area makes an amphitheater. So this is why you hear um, scripture says, say with a loud voice. Because it was an amphitheater. And once they said it with a loud voice, it resonated throughout the whole area. How awesome is y'all? Oh, you know, that's that's just phenomenal. That he takes them to a natural amphitheater and has his people speak his word to them. So that everyone can hear it for themselves. How awesome is that? That's pretty awesome when you when you start thinking that we're talking conservatively, we're speaking 1.5 million. That's being super conservative. You know, that's pretty awesome. No speakers. No electricity. Everybody get to hear. That's awesome to me. You know, so this is where they had the ceremony. Now, what ceremony was this? This was actually where they were recovenanting with Elohim. You know, and so there's a lesson to be learned in that too. And that as well, because first they partook because they were Homeborn Israelites on the uh, majority, home homeborn Israelites they they uh partook of the covenant of their forefathers, and so you see them getting circumcised, you know, uh, when they first crossed the garden, you know, and you know, but now they're entering into covenant with Yah personally into their very own covenant.
And that's what this ceremony at Shechem is about. Same thing happened with Israel um, of old, if you would, Israel on the other side of the garden. You know, they were they were uh, circumcised before they came out of Mizraim, and then they were covenanted, you know, um, as a people personally, they entered into covenant with Yah on their own, you know, in and of their own, you know, within the wilderness. Remember that? You know, that's what was going on at Mount Sinai. You know, so now here it is, we see the same thing happening, you know, over over in um, the kingdom. So there's something to be said there, say la. Now, this is Mount Gerizim. This is Mount Evil. Now, I would have you know that Mount Gerizim can be likened unto the New Covenant. Mount Evil can be likened unto the Old Covenant. Now, Shechem or, 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 or Nablus, you know, I think it's um, maybe the current name, but Shechem, you know, is where the priests were. You know, now I want you to take note of, you know, the face of Mount Gerizim and, and how green it is. And, you know, and look at the face of Mount Evil and look at how bald or bare it is. You know, because this, this is now, it's believed that, you know, back in the day, like, this was much, much more, you know, um, fruitful yeah like much more green and much more abundant with fruit trees and oh. and um all type just flourishing with uh with uh um fruitfulness you know if you would you know with life you know now so this was a pretty stark pretty stark uh contrast if you would for those of israel they were able to see, like, this side was blessed and this side was cursed. Can you see that? You know, now remember Mount Gerizim means the cutters. You know, and, you know, Mount, and some people, you know, uh, figured it was called the cutters because they were cutting, cutting off stuff, you know. But here it is, we have the Bald Mountain and we have the Mountain of Cutters. And one represents the uh, New Covenant, Mount Gerizim, and one represents the Old Covenant, Mount Evil. Alright. Now, consider Deuteronomy 27, 9 through 12. Um, let me have my next reader read Deuteronomy 27, 9 through 12, please. And Moshe and the priests, uh, the Levites, spake unto all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day thou art become the people of Yahuwah thy Elohim. Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of Yahuwah thy Elohim and do his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day. And Moshe charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount 
Gizarim to bless the people when ye are come over Jordan. Simeon and Levi and Yehuda and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin. Hallelujah. Okay, so what does this teach us for one? You know, it's a, it's a pretty important thing that this, this teaches us. And, and that is, it's, it's, it's right here in verse 9. You know, that is when you covenant with Yah for yourself. You know, it's one thing like you could be born into a covenant, which is, you know, what was represent, representative of, of like the, um, their circumcision. You know, it was a, a covenant that they were born into because they were the seed of Abraham. Amen. You know, but then they had to enter into covenant with Yah in and of themselves. And that's what this this was for the reborn or the born again Israel. You know, it was Mount Sinai for the former Israel. You know, but the point that I'm making is the day when you covenant with Elohim yourself is the day you become the people of Yahuwah, like Elohim. So some people think that when they get baptized, that's when they become Yahs. No. It's when you enter into covenant for yourself, when you covenant with Elohim, is when you become one of the people of Elohim. Yeah. You know, and so Deuteronomy 27 verse 9 actually evidenced that. Now, Mount Gerizim speaks to the cutters. Now, the cutters speaks to making covenant with Yah. See, because when they used to make covenant with Yah, you know, all the translators put make covenant, but it's actually cut covenant. You know, they would cut a covenant uh, with Yah. And... Oh, man, I meant to put the um the word for for uh, cut down here. Um, I believe it's number three seven seven two in the Strong's. No, number thirty seven seventy two in the Strong's, uh, and it is Karath, uh, Karath, 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 um. You know, and it means to cut. All right? You know, and so consider Deuteronomy 29.1. It says, These are the words of the covenant which Yahuwah commanded Moshe to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. When it says to, to make with the children of Israel, this word make, I believe is number 3772, Karah. Uh, and it means to cut with the children of Israel. Likewise, in Ezra 10.3, another example says, Now therefore let us make a covenant with our Elohim to put away all the wise and such as are born of them according to the counsel of, of my Lord uh, and of those that tremble at the commandment of our Elohim and let it be done according to Torah. Again, to make a covenant with Elohim translated here is again... I believe it's Karah number 3772 and it means to cut a covenant. So it's cut a covenant, not make a covenant. Cut a covenant. Second Corinth, uh, Chronicles 2910. Uh, 
a third witness. It says, Now it is mine heart to make a covenant with Yahuwah Elohim of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. Again, it's to cut a covenant. You know, so the cutters represent those who are covenanted with Elohim. Amen? You know, and so this is what Mount Gerizim represents. Mount Gerizim, which means the cutters, it represents those who are covenanted with Elohim. You know, now, both those that were facing Mount Gerizim as well as those that was against Mount Ebo, both groups were covenanted with Elohim. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. You know, but one was blessed and the other was cursed. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. And that's because one represented the new covenant that Yahshua brought and the other one represented the old covenant that Moshe brought. The one that represented the new covenant that Yahshua brought is Mount Gerizim. And they are blessed. And the one that represented the covenant that Moshe brought is Mount Evil and they are cursed. Now, Mount Gerizim speaks of the cutters, i.e. those who cut a covenant with Yahuwah Elohim and have been blessed to become fruitful. You know, so when we look at Deuteronomy 27, 12, it tells us who the tribes were that was on Mount Gerizim. It was Simeon, Levi, Yahuda, Yisachar, Yosef, and Benjamin. You know, Simeon means heard. Levi means to be attached. Um, to be attached to Yahuda, confessor or praiser of Yah. Yisachar, reward. Yosef, let him add or he will add or increase. Benjamin, son of my right hand. Now take note that these are all free children of Israel. What do you mean by free children, Pastor Obadiah? They are the children of Leah. And Rachel, who both were free. They're not the children of the bondmaids who were slaves. You know, now if we put all the names together, we see a picture of those who've heard, i.e., obeyed Yah, are attached to Yah, confesses and praises Yah, and have been rewarded with increase or fruitfulness as the son of my right hand. Who's his right hand? Hallelujah. Yahushua HaMashiach. Hence, Mount Gerizim spoke to the new covenant of Yahushua. Therefore, they received Yah's blessings. Can you see that? Isn't that Yahshua? I thought that was Yahshua. I was over there doing a jig, but, you know, like, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I get excited over stuff like that. You know, and so... What blessings are being spoken of? You know, here are some of them. They're found in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 8, and they are as follows. It says that it shall come to pass, and thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of Yahuwah thy Elohim to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that Yahuwah thy Elohim will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Now, let's stop there for a second, just for a second. What will happen if they don't? Will they still be set on high above all nations of the earth? Absolutely. 
Selah. Verse 2, it says, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Everybody love to go through these. Everybody love. Everybody lay claim on these. You know, even unbelievers lay claim on these. <laughs> you know, they say, well, yeah, I got the blessings. These are my promises. They mine. You know, never mind the part about if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of Yahuwah to observe and do all his commandments. They don't even read that part. You know, it's just, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. They're going to run them down. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of Yahuwah thy Elohim. Well, what if you don't hearken unto the voice of Yahuwah thy Elohim? Verse 3, blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall be when thou comest in and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Yahuwah shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Yahuwah shall command the blessings upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, he shall bless thee in the land which Yahuwah thy Elohim giveth thee. Oh. Hallelujah. That's some good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's truly some good stuff, but it's a flip side to the coin, people. It's a flip side to the coin. People act like there's no flip side to the coin. There is a flip side to the coin. Deuteronomy 27, 13 says, And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse. Reuben, God, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. Reuben means behold a son. God means good fortune. And this actually was pronounced God. Selah. Asher means happy. Zebulun, dwelling. Dan, judge or judgment. Naphtali, wrestling or twisting. This time, take note of how most of the names mentioned are the slaves' children. And the ones that aren't the slaves' children are from one is Reuben, who was cursed not to excel. We see this in Genesis 49.4. And Zebulun, who was Leah's sixth son. And the number six represents man and the works of man. You know, and so you see within Zebulun, you see a man who operate, whose dwelling place is in the works of man, because Zebulun speaks to a dwelling. You know, so it speaks to a dwelling place or a habitation. So Zebulun was one who his habitation or his dwelling place was in the works of men. And that's exactly what the old covenant was. And when we put all the names together, we get a picture of a good of a son of good fortune. You know, happy, dwelling in judgments and wrestlings. Hence they receive Yah's curses. Now, take note, like cause that is dropping some whoo, that's saying something right there. They're the son of good fortune. They're happy. They're happy dwelling in judgments and wrestlings. That's like the Jedi mind trick or something. 
<laughs> you know, it's like they have good fortune. They have all the cares of the world. Hence, they're happy dwelling in judgments and wrestling. They don't mind going through Yah's judgment and wrestling with the word of Elohim, you know, to their demise, as long as they have their good fortune. You know, so what you have depicted is two types of sons, two types of covenant keepers. You have those who adhere to the rules, um, let's see, the uh, standards and practices of the covenant, and you have those who don't adhere to the standards and practices of the covenant. And so it shows us a picture of how the one will be, and it shows us a picture of how the other one will be. You know, and so we can see that even though they're sons of good fortune, you know, they gladly dwell in Yah's judgment and in his wrestlings. Why? Why do they gladly do it? Because they're at the top of the food chain. Because they're the ones that have all the goods. You know, so they were like the, the Pharisees. The Sadducees, the scribes, they were, they were the aristocracy of society. Even though it was a corrupt society, they was the aristocracy. So they were the ones that was, you know, that had everything that, you know, it had to offer. They had all the good that it had to offer, you know, by way of material things or things of the world. You know, whereas the people on Mount Gerizim, they may not have had that, but they had Yah's blessings. You know, but Yah's blessings, you know, see, a lot of people get it twisted. Yah's blessings, you know, don't necessarily look like the world's blessings. You know, Yah's blessings says, blessed are thee when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. It says you're blessed. It says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. It says they're blessed, but they're meek. Yeah, but they're blessed. You know, it said, blessed when, you know, people say all manner of things against you, you know, for his name's sake. Well, a lot of people be upset about that, but God says those are the blessed. But people today think that blessings is houses and cars. Say lie. You see where they stand and then what they receive. God's curses. Let's consider Deuteronomy 27, 17 through 26. We're going to just, you know, hit some of these curses. Because it's crazy. Because, like, the blessings actually start in Deuteronomy, um, you know, 28. You know, like... 1 through 15, like it, it speaks about, you know, coming up to it, and then it starts talking about the blessings and go up to like 15, then it starts the curses from like mm -hmm. verse 16, then it goes all the way to like 45 or something. A lot of curses. <laughs> it's not worth it. You might as well just don't covenant with him if you're not going to do what he say. You know, Starting with verse 17, going to 26, it says, Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say, Amen. 
Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless, and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all these, all the words of this Torah to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. Hallelujah. So Mount Gerizim, you know, it's like a mountain, a kingdom that's blessed, that's full of fruitful trees and, and increase and in not only the people, but in as well as their uh, their their fruits, you know, i.e., their love, their joy, their peace, their long suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, that type stuff, right? You know, and so like, yeah, so it's abundant with that, you know. And I just found the Green Mountain. This is not the real Mount Gerizim, you know. <laughs> but the last picture I showed you was the real one, you know. All right. Deuteronomy 28, 9 through 14, Yahuwah shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he have sworn unto thee. If, that's a big little word right there. That's a big little word. If thou shalt keep the commandments of Yahuwah thy Elohim and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of Yahuwah. Do the people of the earth see that you're called by the name of Yahuwah? They should if they don't. Selah. And they shall be afraid of thee, and Yahuwah shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of thy body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which Yahuwah swear unto thy fathers to give thee. Yahuwah shall open unto thee his good treasure to heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And Yahuwah shall make thee the head. And not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. Hallelujah. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of Yahuwah thy Elohim, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them, and thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. You know, that's all I have for you today. Prayer was